0: Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great
1: Unlearn. The internet generally is a a very like censorship rich place. The way that you consume that content is mostly done through one centralized company, which becomes the effective arbiter of truth on social media. Like when someone says my Instagram or my YouTube or my Facebook, it's factually incorrect because it's not your anything and you're on borrowed land on all aspects.
0: This is where we're at and we don't have choice
1: anymore and i felt helpless
2: like not only for me personally but like man freedom of speech everything else depends on that And it's being eroded away. And then about two months later, I met Justin, started learning what
1: he's doing with Zion. And I thought that's actually a solution to the problem. That's the whole concept of like everything we understand has been built on shaky ground. Everything. Not just like, oh yeah, we're talking about the internet. That's fine. Oh, apps have been built on decentralized systems. Like Our entire monetary network as we understand it is crumbling before our feet. We don't make a change until we realize our role. The people have always had the power. We just need to remember it. What does a new world look like? What does the future of social look like? What does the future of creators and audiences look like? This new thing that I strive for, which is this concept of freedom through encryption. The next piece was that the creators own everything. We have to build that for the first time
2: ever on the Lightning Network running on Bitcoin. He's
0: like, yeah, we're doing this thing right now. He goes, Cal... The technology didn't exist a month ago.
1: (laughs) The complexities of what we're trying to do is really live by these principles of having sovereignty of your data and be able to transact in an easy way. Our business model is not predicated on manipulating your attention. Our business model is to give you digital sovereignty. I think that's a fundamental difference in us and any other of the companies in the space. And so if you give us a chance, we know we want to build this new world. And if you can help us build it, we know we can change the world together.
0: We We got lots to cover today. Yes. Uh, Holy shit. Got Justin Rizvani and JP Sears on today. And I think the central piece of the connection between all of us is our pushback on censorship. I speak a lot about it on the podcast. Justin, you've created Zion largely for that reason, I would say. In JP, you've shown up in a way that's really pushed back publicly about it. So I'd love to just start with, you know, that kind of central narrative of, of what brought you or what brought Zion to you, Justin. And then we'll, I'd love to hear what JP has to say about how his
1: comedy and world has really changed over the last, you know, two years. Yeah. Thank you, Cal. So I think Nothing is a coincidence in life. You know, I, I moved to Austin a little bit over a year ago and Kyle Kingsbury, our, our mutual friend said, hey, do you want to have dinner with Mickey Willis? And I said, absolutely. And, you know, as I'm, we're driving, I'm in Kyle's car. I was like, I've been fidgeting with this idea to like build something like kind of world changing for the internet that like can never be turned off once it's turned on. Like, by, by, the, <laughs>
2: by the way world-changing. I mean, that's the which goal.
1: Is, is funny. That,
2: that's how Justin thinks. Like, should I do something world-changing? It's just, his mind is at that level. <laughs> yes, it's so. not like,
1: should I go to the park
2: today and play <laughs> Frisbee? Should I do something world-changing?
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we only have one at bat at this. So I figure, like, swing for the fences. like. Mm. And he's like, let's talk to Mickey. I was like, great, have dinner with him. And I didn't understand how censorship was really working at the time but it it just took me down this path of saying that the internet generally is a is a very like censorship f- like rich place uh, because every vector that you think about is really built on really unstable ground even at the like the the core levels of how things on the internet are created even on the search levels like they're created in such a centralized way that if you have to like build an abstract model to say okay what will the new internet look like? You have to rebuild it in a completely different way and even approach a technology in a new way. And that's really what led down the path of like building on Bitcoin and we'll get into the lightning network. But the path was like, make something so different that people can see what a new world potentially looks like and be kind of a pioneer into the new world and saying like, Hey, if we're going to Try to cross this chasm, we have to do it so different than anyone's kind of done it before. And that was really our goal with what we were building with Zion.
0: Yeah. And you had shared, shared that with, with me and Ty when we we had recorded an episode that, that has yet to be released. And, and maybe someday down the road, once Bookcoin launches, we can we can put it out there. But um, share a little bit about these applications, networks that purport to be censorship free on this same platform that everything else is built on and how they've been shown to not be, you know, how they've been taken off the internet, how they are very centralized.
1: So I think the, the big realization that I had a little bit over a year and a half ago was that how so much of the internet is built on such unshaky foundation and not just layers of the internet but even layers of our monetary system. And you think about, what is it? 40% of all the money ever created has been created over the past two years. Yeah. So you understand that layer. It's like, oh, this thing that we thought was like secure, the dollar can just be printed at will and there's trillions of it being printed. And then you take the next layer because money is really important. Now let's talk about the technical layer in which everything works on. So there's like packets that move on the TCP IP layer. And then you have... Everything is somewhat centralized. When you come to search, Google owns the internet. When you come to apps, there's basically two core companies that own the app stores, which is Google and Apple. Um, The way that you consume that content is mostly done through one centralized company, which becomes the effective arbiter of truth. Everything we do is revolving in this centralized way down to the monetary layer. So I think what what really led down this path was, if you're going to build a new case for how the internet should work, you have to build it on somewhat of a stable foundation. And the only true stable foundation that we know as a society currently in a digital world that won't be manipulated, it can't be changed, there's a finite number, there's a finite circulation that will ever happen, Bitcoin. It's $21 that will ever be created and distributed across the world. And so if you want to build a new system, you have to build it on a new monetary network as well and exit the current system from every layer, from the financial layer, all the way down to the way packets potentially are distributed. And that's where I think the beginning of the conversation happened for me and the light bulb moment. I was like, wow, everything we're doing is centralized. And so if we want to exit, you want to exit the Fed is what people want to call it, like exit fiat. You also want to exit the technologies that back all that. Okay,
0: great. And we're going to go way deeper into that. And before we do, JP, yeah.
1: Just- I've been needing attention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's, let's talk about your journey through, um, to, I, I'd say probably largely over the last two years and how that has completely shifted the way you're showing up.
2: Yeah, you know, I I used to think my mission was make people laugh, make people happy and hopefully get them thinking a little bit deeper. But then 2 years ago, uh, it, I would say there wasn't a shift, there was a new level of awakening in me about what the mission always has been, which is freedom. And I didn't know that was my number 1 value in my mission until it started getting taken away through censorship as well as, you know, some other Overreaches and uh, you know the fish didn't know it was swimming in freedom waters until the water started getting drained from the pond, and and so I started speaking up on social media. It's like, well, why would I not? It just following the call of my heart. So the trajectory of my content largely shifted to standing for freedom, standing against censorship, uh, while using comedy as the language that I convey those messages and so my 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 whole mission shifted and serendipitously enough i start getting censored for speaking up about these sorts of things and 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 i'll share two things one level of censorship which i've experienced a lot of is having videos taken down uh posts taken down posts flagged like blurred out like this is you know The fact checkers have deemed this false information. Click here if you really want to see it. The kind of stuff that treats people like they're morons. It's like, no, I was accidentally trying to see this post, but thank you, Instagram, for uh, helping me realize I was wrong about my choice. So that's the level of censorship I've experienced. But the main level of censorship, I, as a creator and a man who has reached my audience as, and as a man who feeds my family... Through my online content. Please be careful with the word man. Yeah. Uh, on this um, podcast. We didn't exchange pronouns. His holiness <laughs> is mine right now. <laughs> As a man who feeds his family, the level of censorship I've had to live in fear of is getting deplatformed. See it happen left and right. And shockingly, the group of people that's been the most deplatformed by all Facebook, YouTube, all of them. Have been health experts, medical doctors speaking based on their knowledge and their clinical experience and their research. So, seeing this, these people just get wiped from the internet. I've had to like live in fear of it. And you, you talked about like the the companies that purport to be censorship free. So at first, I turned to those, and I'm still on them. And I, the Rumbles, the Parlors, I want them all to succeed. I think they're a step away from the problem, but the problem is they don't solve the problem. As Justin mentioned, they're centralized. They pledge to be censorship-free, but they can still censor if there's a changing of the guard. And you know, Facebook used to not censor. It was not part of their ethos, but then it became their ethos. And the problem is Facebook is built on technology that allows them to censor cens- cuz it's very centralized. So I turned to the the rumbles and the parlors like all right like this is my answer like I, now I don't have to worry about getting censored and then parlors taken off the internet last January. It's like oh
0: and explain to people how they got taken off the internet.
2: Yeah, so they got taken off the internet because I believe Amazon hosts all their servers. They're, they have all their users, basically have rows on their, in their database on their servers. So their, their entire company was stored on someone else's servers. And, and then Apple kicked them out of the app store, as did, I believe, Google out of the Android store. So Parler was just taken off the internet. And, and I realized, okay, well, that's not the solution. I don't know what the hell is, but I, and I felt helpless because like, not only for me personally, but like, man, freedom of speech, everything else depends on that. And it's being eroded away. I don't know what the solution is. And, and then about two months later, I met Justin for the first time, started learning what he's doing with Zion. And I thought well, that that's actually a solution to the problem. Because as Justin mentioned, you know, everything on the internet right now, all the social media apps, they're built on very shaky foundations. So the rumbles and parlors, which again, I I'm a fan. I want them to succeed. But they're a new thing built in the old world. And I realized like we need a new world because the old world, it's the oxygen of that world is centralization and Therefore, someone governing your experience, which I think violates the beauty, most beautiful parts of our human nature. So I learned about what Justin's vision of Zion was. You know, before anything was created, back when with it. it
0: back when it was N to N to, yes, we had a yeah. different name. It was
2: just an embryo, <laughs> and I realized, well, that's that's building the new world, and that's the new world that I felt we need. And you know, just kept talking with Justin, and a beautiful partnership was born where. I, of course, don't know the first thing about building world-changing technology, but I do know about connecting with people and I do know about my mission of freedom. So I realized Zion equals freedom. It's the digital infrastructure of freedom and sovereignty. And I felt in my heart, I have a responsibility to help bring this to the world because the worst worst thing that could happen is there's not just world-changing, but world-saving technology built. Worst thing that would happen is it's there. Nobody knows about it.
0: Yeah, dude. And, and, you know, I think we all share the same idea around something like parlor getting taken off where it's a huge bummer, but maybe that will wake some people up like, Oh wow. They can do this. Yeah, they can. They can do that and a lot more and they have been doing it. So I think, we, you know, the, the waking up moment for me was really, I had met Mickey a little over a year ago and then started to learn about his story as I was getting to know him. And you know, when you meet Mickey, you connect immediately. And then to see what was happening to him online was, was the wake up call for me. Like if it can happen to this guy who has the biggest, kindest heart and is doing such incredible work, no one is safe. And so that I think really, it was about a year ago where I started to really start to push back on these things bring people on, like, obviously like Mickey, Dell Bigtree, Dr. David Martin, who are really sharing the behind the scenes of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I'd love before we move on to some other things, JP, I, I think it's important for people to understand that you don't, just get up and, and write this comedy, you do deep, deep research and I, and I, I think that's such an important thing for people to understand you're not just poking fun it's all rooted in your own research and the research of the people around you that you trust
2: yeah yeah you know, and that's part of the responsibility I, I have with my audience where I don't want to do a, a comedy video that's you know portrayed like you know here are the whatever tyrannical overreaches and here's how I'm making fun of it to help point it out. I don't want to do haphazard stuff and just like make stuff up willy-nilly like, Hey, they are doing this and like, let's get mad about it and laugh about it. So yeah, I like to be rooted in as truthful as I can get what the facts are. Cause here's something scary. So, you know, I, I do a lot of these videos, like I'm in the newscaster situation, so many people, I see these comments online where they say, "JP, this sounds weird, but you're my most trusted news source." Dude,
0: I've told you this you a have, number
2: of times, and that scares me. And <laughs> and I I get it. What that reflects to me is the audience trusts me that I am doing research where I'm, I'm presenting it satirically, but people can see the quote unquote facts that I'm bringing to the table. And and the last thing the that anybody needs is getting inflamed like let's I just want to get people mad and like let's get mad at them together I could just make up stuff or fly off the handle like the earth is flat and here's how they've been lying to us but it's like I don't know maybe the earth's round still so I don't want to like suggest that to my audience so part of the responsibility I feel and and I appreciate you seeing that I do a lot of my research the when when I write a comedy video that doesn't take research, it takes me probably one tenth of the time. But the research of what are the facts, who's saying what, that that takes a lot of time. But it needs to happen. Mm,
0: it's important, and you can feel it. You can totally feel. It I think
2: video. CNN should start doing that. That'd be weird if they actually started doing research.
0: <laughs> okay, so y'all are working on a book, which. We're not necessarily here to talk about the book. That'll be the next podcast, but sure. we are going to talk about the book because the uh, the content within the book, the framework of the book, I think will give people a great understanding of more of the why, how we ended up here and what the way forward is. So Justin, please share like some of the stuff that we've been talking about with regards to the book.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the general framework is that we're we're just trying to, tell a story of what's been happening in the world and and mostly just, and and, and the beginning of it is to say like, well, what's the current state of what's happening digitally with, you know, censorship. And so we kind of really go through, uh, and I kind of alluded to this at the beginning is like, how do centralized services actually work? Right? So if you send a message on Instagram, um, even though it might be encrypted on the device itself, it still first runs through a centralized server and then points back to another individual which gives the opportunity of that centralized you know, service to be able to manipulate things on its own server side and also has tons of information. Maybe they don't know exactly what the message is, but they know a ton of information about you. And so it also, I think, gives you the setup is that there's been a bit of like language of illusion, I, I, I call, and what people have been referring to on social media. like When someone says, my Instagram or my YouTube or my Facebook, it's in fact, it's factually incorrect mm-hmm. because it's not your anything. It's their everything and you're nothing. And you're on borrowed land on all aspects. So we go into that. We talk a little bit about the, the, the basically the centralized century versus the decentralized century and kind of like what led to the beginning of the decentralized century, which I would argue that the beginning of that century was the iPhone. The release of the iPhone began this concept of, decentralization and what that looks like and kind of getting into like, why were we centralized in the first place and like how FDR set it up. And then I really love getting into the network state. This is kind of my favorite chapter because the network state is a really interesting thing. There, I think there's three series of, of like, what did you fear, right? Like what, what did you fear in life? For the first basically 1900 years of society, people feared God. That was what they feared. They feared God through religion. And then when you look at the beginning of the 21st century, you started fearing the state. The state is what you fear. The United States, the most powerful government in the world, you fear that. And now in this next phase of our evolution, we fear the network state. Mm -hmm. And the network state is we fear Facebook. We fear YouTube. We fear the censorship that is occurring through the network state because arguably Mark Zuckerberg is one of the most powerful people in the world because he can effectively not only turn off an individual and he turned off a sitting president that was violating the terms of service. I would argue that is one like I don't know anyone else in the world that has that power yet. Mark Zuckerberg yields that power,
2: and he so probably the, can't even bench press two hundred pounds. I just <laughs> want to point that out. So
0: <laughs> length press two hundred. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so the so the power of the network state, which evolved to to this to to what it is now, and then getting into the the concepts of you know why Bitcoin? Why did we end up here? Um, why did we move away from the gold standard? all, all those things, and then. Leading to, to my general belief is that we've been able to achieve a new goal, and this this new thing that I strive for, which is this concept of freedom through encryption, and that pi- private and public key pairs will will finally give us digital sovereignty and give us true ownership for something in a new digital world. Okay,
0: now tell me, tell us, give people a little little bit of context around FDR and the
1: uh... yeah. I mean, it, I I just use this as an analogy, is like you know the the the, the centralized century was filled with us basically trying to centralize power and the government was the first to do that. And FDR wasn't the first to do that. His, his uh, uh, Teddy was the first one to do that where he starts setting up these three-letter agencies. But let's think about like the FDA and, and what, was, what, what was it originally designed for? The FDA was designed to centralize power to regulate a centralized authority, which would be Pfizer and Merck. That's how they were built. They're built to be able to regulate these types of companies. And then you look at the, uh, um, the, um, the FAA, right? They were also designed to be able to basically regulate Boeing. But now we move into the decentralized century, almost a hundred years since all these things were established. And now you have a couple things happening. You have doctors that are doing standalone research in their own labs, And I would say one of the biggest failures that we had in in the FDA's history is what's happened with COVID-19. Because you had doctors very early on in this pandemic that were doing individual research about how to isolate what was happening with this virus, being able to develop ways to actually help people. But because the way the FDA is regulated and the centralized authority, they shut down every potential opportunity for uh, something that would help the pandemic. Like, no, 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 that's not our plan. That's not what we, that's not how you test. That's not how you can do that. And shut all these things down. And early on, early on in this pandemic, I believe we could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives if we'd let these doctors do their research in the way they wanted to. And the failure of the centralized system is what created, I think, the problem. We lost so many lives as a result of this is because how the systems were built. You know, the FAA is designed to, basically regulate Boeing, but they don't know how to regulate thousands of drone operators around the world that are just flying these things around. And we now have to like put those like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that type of innovation. You can't build that. So I think what we're leaning into is that because of the inception of the transistor, because of this inception that we have massive computers in our pockets every day, the centralized way of doing things doesn't work in our new society, particularly in a digital world. And I'd argue that now we're moving to this decentralized century where we finally have the ability to do all these different things and allow for a little bit more freedom. But the system is fighting back because it doesn't know any better. The FDA doesn't know any better than how it's done, how it goes through the the ranks of how they let something happen, how testing happens, how an individual drug in this sense could help a bunch of individuals but because they went down this road and say no 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 this is our plan we're going to vaccinate everyone and all the other treatments we're just going to put them to the side because the vaccination is the only option i think this is the failure of the centralized system
2: yeah it, to me it's so <clears throat> undemocratic where it's not the the best policies or the best treatment wins which you know in a kind of free and open landscape you have debates and like truly the best thing's going to win but this way, like, there's not competition of like, oh, this treatment is actually doing better than those treatments. So that gets more airtime. We know about it, but it's all centralized. So the, the truth doesn't necessarily win. The narrative wins in a centralized system.
1: And this is also when we saw the inception of centralized banking, right? And, and then that the, there's a centralized banking authority that manages money and the concept of money. And now we've seen the effect of that system where it can effectively print as much as it wants on demand based upon what it needs without any potential regulation. We can, like using quantitative easing, we can just keep buying bonds and printing and printing and printing and increasing our debt with no actual repercussions, which is, is, is that concept of like, we're, we, like everything we understand at this point has been built on very unshaky foundation because the thing that you thought that was secure was money. You're like, Oh, money's very secure. Like money's the thing that I know it's in my bank and it's very secure, but we're seeing this massive volatility with money in the last 24 months. that I don't think people really have the understanding of, right? They don't have the true concept. And then you fast forward and you know, Bitcoin comes about and Bitcoin brings this potential hope for the world in terms of the store of value. And now the concept of having a centralized authority that's managing a system now goes away because ones and zeros can now manage how things progress in a potentially new monetary network. And I think people are coming to this concept that actually Bitcoin is a potential for the future as a backing, as a back to the current system that in in some ways is, has been manipulated by humans in a negative way.
0: Mm, Yeah. And you know, A couple of things come up for me there, particularly JP, when you're talking about, you know, in, in the free and open land, the the best remedy wins, or at the very least you get to choose. You have sovereignty over, I want to go with this, you know, solution versus that one. And when they started, you know, taking ivermectin off the market and hydroxychloroquine and they made a big joke out of it with trump it it just you know we didn't have access to it or a lot of people didn't now we did because we have friends doctors that can still get you know their hands on it but the population a couldn't get it b thought it was a bullshit you know horse, you know horse dewormer yeah And that narrative kept getting pushed out there. So it's very interesting that, you know, I I just want people to understand that this is where we're at and we don't have choice anymore.
2: And and I think that's where we're at, not having choice, being governed by centralized authorities, be they Facebooks, banks, the FDA, censorship. That's all our fault. It's, man, I, I just want to have everybody out there. I want to, I want to just say this, don't give away your power and victimize yourself and think them, the the authorities with their overreaches and corruption, they're the ones doing this to us. Don't get down that rabbit hole. It's so disempowering to victimize yourself. We need to take our power back and realize We don't make a change until we realize our role. And we have to acknowledge this is our fault because we've put so many of our eggs into this centralized basket. And I don't mean it's our fault shamefully. Like you shouldn't No, I did that. Like there weren't better solutions. That's right. And now there are. We're aware of what happens when we put our eggs into this basket. So censorship is always done through consent you you have to consent to it. It's not being done to you. It's an inside job. You agree. Okay, cool. For what I want to say, uh, I'm only going to do it on YouTube. YouTube censors me. I've consented to that. But now we can start putting our eggs into other baskets because the people have always had the power. We just need to remember it. The, we have the power. And when we move our eggs into other baskets, first off, we need we've created those baskets and there's more baskets needed to be created alternatives for models that have proven not to work but that's us taking our power back when we realize we've done this to ourselves it's fine now we can choose a better way
0: yeah i think that's really important because it it has been this like slow drip of taking away these freedoms and as we know when they take away the freedom they they never give it back um and so we have to find a different solution in a different in a different paradigm which is what we're talking about here but I think. It's very important. I love that you brought up that disempowering nature of they've done this to us and it's, it's okay. We've all fallen victim to it. And hopefully this conversation helps, you know, nudge people, wake them up a little bit, just like we've been woken up in the past to like, oh fuck, I have consented to this. I did think this, and I believed all of it. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You can change your mind given a new experience and new information coming in. So I just want people to be able to sit with what's being shared today. And like, A, you consented. B, it's not your fault. It's okay. You know, and we can move forward in this day, in this moment and try to do something differently. The other thing that comes up for me is like, as, as Justin, you were talking about the Fed, like I think it, I, I need to get someone on here to because I understand how fucked up the Fed is and how it was um, created and why it was created. But I'm not nearly intelligent enough to explain it to someone. But that right there, holy
1: shit! Yeah, I think one of our investors, Mark Moss, would be incredible. He's coming to he's coming to Austin. I think in a week, so I, I think I'd love to. Oh please, set me up. Like, yes. he's, he's amazing on this topic.
0: Oh, good. Cause I need, I need to just be in there, be ask all the, you know, be the, the dumbest guy in the room and just get it out there for people. So they understand more about our monetary system.
1: Of course. And that, that's, that's the whole concept of like everything we understand has been built on shaky ground, everything, not just like, oh yeah, we're talking about the internet. That's fine. Oh, apps have been built on decentralized systems. Like our entire monetary network, as we understand it is crumbling before our feet. And there aren't any options other than Bitcoin that potentially save us saves us through this next phase of life. Uh, Justin,
2: I wanna ask you a question that I would have been so clueless about a year ago. So you, you, you talk about Bitcoin as a solution and obviously we've built Zion on Bitcoin, but I know me of a year ago, I didn't know why Bitcoin was in a completely different world than Ethereum or any other cryptos. So, would you share a little bit about how and why Bitcoin's different and special? So, I, I think I love having like a co a co host. Yeah. That is such a great question. You, you can go I mean, out to lunch, Cal. I'll, I'll take it from here.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I would categorize Bitcoin as the last sovereign asset human beings have, mm. and and the reason. It, it's,
0: By it's, the way, that's no small statement. So I, I want people to just really understand what you just said.
1: Uh, should I repeat it? No, I, well, I, sure. Like, Go I ahead, mean, repeat. So it. I, like, I, I personally feel that Bitcoin is the last sovereign asset that we have. And the reason that it is, is to understand how we got to this point, right? So the, the first code of Bitcoin was released, and then it took four to five years in the ether for people to start using it. And it started with this concept of miners and then this concept of proof of work that cannot be copied. What does proof of work mean for people? So, so, proof of work there's, you know, when we'll talk about, you know, Ethereum blockchain is proof of stake versus proof of work, but proof of work is the only thing that cannot be manipulated by human design. And what I mean by that is that humans can change rules at any point. But the one rule we can't change is the rule of physics and the rule of thermodynamics. And this is the concept of proof of work, where a computer actually has to produce using energy, taking energy out of the ground, creating computer hashes to eventually create digital energy, which is a Bitcoin. No one can fake that. You can't fake physics. Because you need to take basically a mineral out of the ground, produce power as a result of that, let that power create hashes on a blockchain to produce this idea of of solving this cryptographic key to produce more Bitcoin and then to confirm transactions onto the blockchain. We cannot manipulate physics as humans. We can't change that. That's what Bitcoin provides. That's why proof of work is so important in this asset. And so I think that's the thing that really distinguishes this from other blockchains and other things the other concept that makes bitcoin very unique and special is that every other cryptocurrency has been started as a as a company ethereum is a company solana is a company these are i would distinguish these two things as technology companies that are selling securities versus a digital asset and this is the argument within the whole space is that like when you go buy Solana on an exchange, you're actually buying a security. This is the argument that the, that the, uh, the people have um, in, in Washington. And I would argue that's correct, right? Like, like these people are selling unregulated securities without KYCing people. And like they're not. So I think that's the interesting piece of where we're going is that the differences between what I call crypto and Bitcoin is that idea of proof of work. This idea that it's sovereign, that it's truly decentralized, right? We have thousands of miners around the world that can't necessarily manipulate this asset, and what's like a really good example of the resilience of Bitcoin, right? About a year ago, China bans mining, and that means every miner needs to leave China, and so the how you measure like how the health of the Bitcoin network is through hash rate, and so. Bitcoin gets banned. All the miners need to get out of China. The hash rate goes down, um, which means that there's just not as much compute energy happening in the network, not as much digital energy that's going through the system, but nothing changes. Nothing changes in transaction volume. Nothing changes in terms of like the resilience of the network. Transactions aren't getting stopped. And you see this thing kind of evolve like, wow, one of the most powerful countries in the world bans this thing and nothing happens. It doesn't even Mm. flinch. It doesn't even blink. And you're like, that's the resilience of the Bitcoin network and, and, and why it's like still this true sovereign asset.
2: Mm.
0: And so that gets us into why you chose Bitcoin versus any other of these cryptocurrencies, which others are building Web3 applications on. By the way, uh, when you mentioned KYC, that's know your customer for those of you out there who weren't weren't sure what that means. And that's just a really, um, I would say robust way to know who the investor is. Is that correct? I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's these, these, these weird rules in the United States that they want to know everything about everyone at any time. And and particularly around (laughs) like, (laughs) and this is the, this is the beautiful thing. I think again about Bitcoin is like, there's, there's, it allows for privacy in a completely new way in a digital world. And so anytime you are converting in the United States um, USD to BTC, um, there is this concept of you're That's being US
0: dollar, US like dollar. the dollar you hold in a, a bank account.
1: Yep. So USD to, to BTC, um, you you are KYCing, know your customer on any of these exchanges because securities law requires them to know who you are and what you're doing and where you're moving the money and uh, how much Bitcoin you're buying. and then that could get into a whole other rabbit hole of like what's going on. But that's, that's the government trying to protect um, people and protect citizens against whatever they're trying to protect us against. Against their own power, maybe? I mean, it's, it's, Bitcoin is a fight against centralized authority in all ways. And it's a scary thing for a government to say, okay, you have this digital asset that cannot, you know, through private key cryptography, can't really be seized um, it is. It is digital energy. It's digital property, and the asset can be owned by an individual and can move around the world freely. And you'll never know what it is like. There's a limit. Like I like a million dollar in gold bars is kind of a big thing to run around in. But you, if you have a twenty word seed phrase in your brain and you can access that seed phrase anywhere in the world, and that has a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin in that wallet, that's a scary thing for people. Sir,
0: I want to. I want to get into the 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 name from end to end to the evolution into, into Zion, by the way. So last night and you had called me, you FaceTimed me when I was in the sauna and I was, I was dropping in and thinking about the podcast and, and literally as I started to think about it, I was listening to Trevor Hall
2: mm.
0: and Zion came on and I was like, Whoa. And then last night, the night before I had started watching the new matrix and Zion's a, a part of that. So it was very meta for me. So I would love for you to talk about why why the name Zion, you know, maybe even how N2N2 N2 came to be as a, as your first kind of iteration of that. And then the evolution into Zion.
1: So then the original name N2N2 was like, I was sitting in bed. I was like, what am I going to, I need a name for a website because we need to start getting code on, onto GitHub. And I said, okay, well it's node to node. Every node talks to each other. So it's node to node to infinity N2N2. That's what we're going to call it. Great. That it was not more thinking than that. It was just, (laughs) it was just like, I need a website. I didn't, I had no inclination of brand. It was just like, we need to get code written and we need a name for this website. And that I remember
0: like, you sending me some, some logos. Some logo, stuff, yeah. I was like texting
1: yeah. you. So there's no logic behind it. And, uh, and then I bring JP, you know, JP and I start working together. And, um, I think the big catalyst where we said we had to like change the name was that we're on a call with, uh, one of our investors, uh, Tony. And he's basically like, hey, man, I want to help you. It sounds great, but you got to change the name. Like, you got, you got to like change the name. Yeah. And I, I think we can Yeah,
2: share. of course. Yeah. The, Tony Robbins. And <laughs> Ever heard of him? And it, it was hilarious. He said something I had been thinking, but not articulating. And then other investors, in hindsight, they're like, oh, yeah, you got to change your name. But Tony just is so flat out, so kind, but also, matter of fact, like, first thing you should do is change the name because it, nobody knows what n2n2 N2 means the first question people would ask me is what's n2n2 N2 mean
1: so right already we're getting hung up on something that could have clear sailing so and we just started sending a bunch of emails we had like a workshop at the house and then um one of some on an email thread one of our investors uh just said hey what about this name and zion and then it just like for both of us we're like I love it and like I'm a huge fan of the matrix I you know, it's the last city in the first three movies without machines. It's still actually, if you watch the new one, it's still the only city without machines. I'm because ha- the new
2: I'm one spoiler through. alert.
0: I'm, yeah. <laughs> so well, by, by the time this gets released, I mean, y'all you should see it. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone should everyone
1: it. should watch it. So it actually it, it enforces the concept that it's the last city without machines that will like manipulate you or, or try to kill you or try to keep you addicted to something. So we figured it was a great name for what we wanted to build, which is a world-changing company and, and a world-changing brand. And I think so far people are now being ingrained like, like Zion, 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 particularly in Bitcoin. Like, I think it's becoming like a namesake of like, Oh, that's a, that's Zion or like, Hey, you should go look at Zion. So it's, I think we, we nailed it with that. So thanks JP for pushing that.
2: Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I- Glad you're pretending like it was my idea. <laughs>
0: you're welcome. So, let's talk. Let's talk. Let, let's let's get into some of like the you know as an entrepreneur. You know, g- give us a snapshot of your uh, experience as an entrepreneur, just so people understand that you just didn't come out of nowhere and, and do this.
1: So, graduated college. I knew I had this like really deep feeling that I, I was always unemployable. Uh, and I continue to have that thesis where I can't really work. So I worked for a company for about a year. Uh, I was an ad company and just like a, a person with ideas doesn't work well in large organizations. And I was a, a 23 year old that had a lot of ideas of how things should work. And
0: a and lot it, of piss and vinegar too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Fucking, I'm a, yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, um, I left the company in about, about a year and I, w- I was lucky to live in LA and I went to high school with some people that um, started building a large following on Instagram. Instagram gets bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. I talked to my friends. I'm like, hey, is there? this is in 2013. Is there an app on the app store that could put an influencer, which is a person with a lot of followers connected to a brand and remove the arbiter that is the agent and manager and instantly pay them through PayPal? I was like, is there an app that does that? They're like, no, there's no app that does that. So um, we built the first API on Instagram to do this, launched the app in 2013, and basically for a few years we were the only way you could run ads on Instagram because they had just been bought. They haven't done an ad platform, but they knew people had to be there. So if a brand wanted to grow their audience on Instagram, they used influencers. We were the way you did it for like three years. I sell the company in 2016. Stay on the board. Stay as CEO for the next 18 months. I I exit the company and then the end of 2018, I like leave the board completely. And I come to this like realization of like, Hey, like this thesis I've had of like creators basically being the future of the world is still very true to me. But the problem is in that time period, the platforms got so much power that the idea of your followers kind of disappeared. And I really didn't understand what was happening. I was at the, at the core level of helping Instagram grow to be this behemoth because, you know, we were monetizing creators in a huge way, like paying them millions of dollars to create content. And so like, if you're getting paid a couple thousand dollars to put a photo on Instagram, you want to create more content on Instagram and grow that following. And then I realized like, wow, like I spent all this time trying to like put power in creators, but I, I ended up like feeding this Goliath at the same time. And I said to myself, like, what does a new world look like? What does the future of social look like? What does the future of creators and audiences look like? And I basically built this thesis. I, I had these couple bullet points that I said is like, the future of social will, will basically look like, look like this in some way. Number one, it would be built on a monetary network. So it would be built on a digital monetary network. The next thing is that it would be permissionless and it would allow for permissionless innovation, which means that it was open source. The next piece is that it would be censorship resistant. The next piece was that the creators own everything. The next piece, and I thought this was the most important, is that people would have digital property rights. They would have ownership through encryption. They would own the things that they had within that network. And this was like my general thesis. So I was like, I'm going to go invest in a company that does this. And so I looked, I spent a year looking and no, nothing. I didn't see anything. And then that's where the rabbit hole goes down with Mickey, Kyle, I get introduced to the lightning network. I get introduced to Sphinx. And then that's when I went all in and I was like, wow, like I took a year off, but I have to do this. Like, and I'm, I'm most equipped to do this because the idea is so far out and it's like, it's, it's so early that if I didn't have my own capital to just do it and like not worry about what anyone was telling me and spend a year of my own cash to build it, it's never going to get built. Cause like the idea is like, and if you understand even how the world's working right now, no one's really funding Bitcoin projects. Like even if you look at the VC world, I think they, like, they, did, they, they invested 35 billion in 2021. They weren't going towards Bitcoin projects. They're going towards crypto projects because they can pre-mine a coin and then get paid out instantly and make a billion dollars. But they're not investing in these types of infrastructure projects. So it was... I. I after seeing all that and he was like, I'm one of the only people in the world can try to do this because I'm doing it on my own with my own money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. No. And, and, in in that, in, within this journey, I'm, I'm really curious to know what the hardest, like the hardest moments have been for you.
1: Ooh, there's been a few, I, I think when there's no roadmap to follow, because I built the centralized app before and I knew exactly how to do it. But when you move into uncharted territories, which is that you're, you're, you're number one, trying to build a completely new business model in a completely new category with really untested technology very early on and trying to convince all these things, like every part of this thing has been really challenging. Every like like, like we lose an engineer, this doesn't work, L&D changes, like so many parts of it. But I, I would say, the hardest thing that I've, I, I've been in my own self-reflection is coming back like, why am I doing this? Because I don't have to work. I'm financially independent in a way that like, I don't live a very fancy life. So like, I don't ever have to work a day in my life again. And why am I doing this? And why am I waking up every day and spending, you know, almost 12 hours every single day, seven days a week working on this project. And it comes back to like the soul of believing that this needs to exist in the world. And I'm one of the only people that can do it.
2: I uh, I think our friend Justin puts a lot on his shoulders and and I love it because there's a lot that needs to be done in the world. But just to give you a little taste of you know, what his daily challenges are, I mean, you asked about the most, like some of the biggest challenges, but just the daily challenges, <clears throat> uh, Justin and I were having a conversation about like, okay, JP and, and the Zion app and creator communities, as a creator, what's important for you to have? What new features do you need and want? Um, so I listed off some, and he says, "Okay, cool." And and then like three days later, of course, I'm such a tech idiot. I'm like, "Oh, Justin, why aren't those aren't those features done yet?" <laughs> and, and and he he's so patient with me. Sometimes I feel like you have like a stray dog. Sometimes and no, he's so patient, Oh, no, you're so patient with me, brother. But. but but Justin said, "Oh well, it's not done yet. It will be, but the reason why it's not done yet is we have to figure out how to build that." And I said, "Well, what do you mean? Like, like community threading? Like Facebook has that? Like, well, everybody has. You don't have to figure that. I'll just do it. There's no JP. You don't understand. We have to build that for the first time ever on the Lightning Network running on Bitcoin. So." Each thing that he does as a CEO, each new feature that goes into Zion, it's not putting a wheel that's already invented into the car, it's inventing a new wheel. Because one of the things I love about Justin is he refuses to compromise. Mm. The, The Zion could grow a lot faster, be quite honestly a lot better at the user experience level, and have a million people join the network every day. If he cut corners, if 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 he if he wasn't staying true to the commitment to be decentralized and build the foundation in an unshakable way, not the shaky foundation, things would just like whatever, we're moving faster and probably have a get to an exit soon if you want to. But he refuses to compromise. It's like, no, 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 this has to be. Built the right way. It's just like watching nature grow anything. Like the beautiful forest around here didn't happen in three months, three days. It happened over many decades. So nature, nature is perfect and it has a lot of imperfections. That's part of the perfection of it. But nature does things right. And the way it does it right is it takes its time and And not that Justin moves slow, but building something for the first time ever takes a little bit of time. and i when that like landed on me, like, "Oh, it's not done because you have to figure it out how to do it the first time ever." Okay. <laughs> then I'm like, all right, bro, I, I get you." Well oh.
0: yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, thanks for sharing that because I know the conversations that I've had with Justin. He's like, yeah, we're doing this thing right now. He goes, Cal, the technology didn't exist a month ago. Like we, I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean?
1: Yeah. Wow. And, and I think that's the thing that, that for me, it, it actually, as a, as an entrepreneur, sometimes frustrates me with my team. It's like, well, why wasn't this done a week ago? And, and, and I have to just continuously come back to like, Well, why are we doing this? Why are we approaching our business model this way? Like, no one launches a social network and tells people that you have to pay to just be on it for the first time. That's like so obscure that even the education that we're trying to make, it's like, no, no, no. You're not paying to be on the network. You're paying because we're going to help you run a full node, a full computer on the internet. That you only have access to through a private key pair that you can put your Bitcoin on and then transact Bitcoin in a non-custodial manner. And oh, by the way, we also have this app that you can talk to other people on and then have communities and integrate in communities as well. By the way, mm-hmm. like that's like the, the, the it's the the thing that we're like the abstract nature of what what Zion actually is is is, and I, and I'm even every day, I continue to go down the rabbit hole of my own company. Every single day, as it gets deeper, and like wow that piece, and like wow that piece. But that's the that's the thing that makes me so interested in this topic is that there's things, there's decisions we're making today that will make us such an interesting company in the next five years that Facebook and Twitter and all of these centralized services could never do. Like Rumble could never do what we're doing when we're talking about authentication through a photo on your device because you have all data encrypted on a node like you can watch videos on a screen that's cool but like what about paying anyone in the world and then earning and doing all these different things through through the same system so
0: mm-hmm. okay we're going to get into nodes in a second but i want to i want to know for each of you was there was there a, a moment or have there been moments where you're like fuck i just don't know like it's like it, it, like close to a breaking point or like maybe this maybe this isn't going to work fuck like cuz we have our best laid plans right and we have an idea of where we're going and things are lining up and you're pivoting here and there but then it's like you hit this roadblock and you're like fuck maybe
1: maybe i misjudged this a couple times a week <laughs> yeah I mean, if 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 i'm if i'm being frank a couple times a week there's moments that i that i that i have in this reflection But then those are the things that I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's why you're who you are. Cause you just keep fucking going. That's it. There's no other option. Like I have no, like, there's no, there's no backup plan. There's no like secondary backup. It's like, this is it. And the reason like, this is the difference between I think me and generally a lot of other people is like, I am fucking relentless about what I want to do in the world and how I want to show up. And like, even if I don't like, if I'm tired or I'm not like, I will keep going and I will keep going and I will keep going. And I just, that's just my personal nature. I'm, I'm so blessed for my family, for my parents that like built me to be that way and, and who I am.
0: Do, do you have any, like when you have these moments, right? Are there any practices that, that you go to to help ground you into, no, this is a story I'm telling myself, this is going to happen. Like, I've got this.
1: JP, you want to answer the first question before I hit that? Yeah, let you
0: sit with that for a second. Uh,
2: Yeah, you know, the first one, I honestly have the best job at Zion. It's honestly, I would say it's the easiest and it's the most enjoyable because as Justin's behind the scenes doing literally all the hard stuff with the team of engineers, I'm out celebrating Zion with the world. I'm using right now on Zion. It's the only place I can on the whole internet that I can share with my audience what I want to share with them. Completely uncensored. It's, it's, you get this where I can't share any, anywhere else online because I'd be deplatformed and censored. So I just get the joys of Zion. And I, I mean, I care so much about it, but my role is just, I mean, it's the, It's such a great gift. I get to help introduce people to this world changing platform. Uh, Yes, please. Um, But, and I've got challenges in other areas of my life, but Zion is kind of like my Zion. It's like, oh, like such a joy. But I, you know, I I would say to actually give somewhat of an answer my biggest stresses involved with zion i think are when justin's stressed cuz he's he's very hard on himself and has very high expectations of himself and i wouldn't want to change that and sometimes i see him maybe punish himself too much worry too much and i'll i'll slow him down i'll grab him by the shoulders and it's like bro take a breath your your nervous system is wound up and um I mean, he does amazing, but it's almost like my biggest stress is just wanting to care for Justin as a friend and a individual.
0: Yeah. And I think you have such a deep experience in holding space, whether it's through the, your life coaching or you, you really know how to show up for Justin in those moments, which is such a cool partnership
1: to have. It's, yeah. he is the biggest, one of the biggest blessings in my life. I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't ask for like a better person to want to go on this like crazy journey with. And like, even sometimes it's, it'll be like, I don't know, 12 o'clock on a Wednesday and they'll just send me a voice note and be like, Hey dude, I know you're like, like, I know it's hard, but like you're doing well. Like, and just like, those are the things that like energize me. Um, but in terms of your question about a practice, I, it, it, it's. I don't have one. I, I really like, I wish I could give you like an intelligent answer. Yeah. Like buddy. some people
0: go work out or some people yeah, meditate or some I, people drink.
1: I'm <laughs> like, I think I, I'm just like so focused on, on the task at hand that it's like, ugh. all right, I don't want to do this. And I just like, it's just another wall that I like I continuously push through. And this is the thing that I, I think that I, I've made this comment about entrepreneurship is like, if you need motivation to be an entrepreneur, don't be an entrepreneur. Like Get out of it. Like, you don't like, if you need someone to like pat you on the back and say, Oh, you gotta, like, it's just not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. And that's why I think there's a finite number of people that are built to do something like this. Right. That, that comes back to my, like, why am I doing this in the first place? I continuously come back and just like tell my like souls, like, I think because, I'm supposed to and I'm like one of the only people that will relentlessly do this no matter what. Like I'll I'll keep going to like my last breath to kind of make this idea work. And at the end of the day, this is the one thing I've been, you know, like the thing about success when it comes to this organization is that for whatever reason and it, there's no indicators that this would happen over the next 18 months, but if Zion doesn't work out for whatever reason. What we've done as a, as a as a team is that we've put out an idea to an organism, which is human, the human race. We put this idea out and you know, I, I don't like to use the term virus, but we've incepted a, many thousands of humans with this idea of self sovereignty through having custody of their own information, their own custody of their digital property rights through owning Bitcoin. We've incepted this idea in people that are now like thinking and then sharing with their friends about thinking about like there's a potentially new way to think about the internet. And to me, that's the beginning on how you change the world in some aspect. And no matter what happens with Zion, I know we've done something and something very effective is happening. And we're seeing this push of people like, whoa, there's a new way to do things and a new way to think about things. And so That's my like general hope for, for whatever kind of we're working on.
0: I love that too, because as you know, with with the podcast, the great learn, it's just a new way of seeing the world. Like let's, let's put a new lens on this and let's be open to what it's wanting to share with us. Now, I also, I think (laughs) I swear to God, this was not a setup, but as you were talking about, you don't have any practices. Brother, this little blue bottle, (laughs) when you have that self-doubt, it'll ground you into you're doing the right thing. So for anyone who's just listening, it's feel free. You guys know me.
2: I I would agree with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Let's talk a little bit about how this partnership came together. I'd love to hear more. I know a little bit about it. Why don't you
1: tell the story? You're the reason.
0: Well... (laughs) I mean, you gotta give
1: give yourself some credit here
0: for being honest. Yeah. Now, you know, part of, part of how I show up is a connector right? I see people and, and, and things that I think belong together. Um, and you and I, Justin had, had a lot of conversations about N2N2 at that point, but now Zion, uh, in what you were doing and you had mentioned JP and then For some reason, you know, JP and I were, I forget exactly how it came together, but I'm like, these two guys, like, like you really need to meet. And you had actually heard about Justin, but weren't really sure exactly what he was doing. Like you guys, this is like, this is the easiest one ever. Like you're into, you know, censorship and not censorship and you're building something to, you know, to, to partner with that. So, I. I think I shared JP's number with you and then the next thing I know you you guys are partners. Yeah. It's like, well, that's fucking dope. Like it doesn't always happen like that, but Yeah. I mean, my in, my intuition was there's there's something you guys just need to be friends, really.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember you and I Cal were standing here in your office over by the window. I think Amber and I were over for dinner with our Maybe six-week-old baby at the time. So early last year. And um, and yeah, you you mentioned Justin. I had heard his name drop, I think from Aubrey, Kyle, Kingsbury. And and then Justin and I were set up to have our first meeting. Then the snow apocalypse happened in Texas. I couldn't you can't drive anywhere. So we had our first meeting on Zoom, and it was great. Like I got a, a general overview of Justin's vision. I understood one and a half percent of what he was talking about just at the technical level. But that one and a half percent is like, sounds like something cool. Um, then it was probably four months or so before we had our next sit down. And, and I probably never apologized. I want to thank you for your persistence because Justin had sent me at least six texts that I, I didn't get back to. And that is, right now I have 500... Yes.
0: That's douchey, by the way, Do, and if I'm
2: being honest. I want to show you something, Cal. It is douchey. <laughs> and show Cal how many unread texts I have. Oh, that's gross. So 508 unread texts right now. I just, and these are all great people. I don't give my number out frivolously. So he I wasn't.
0: always gets back to me within five minutes. Right? <laughs> so you
2: hear that, Justin? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And. So Justin was very patient with me. And then finally, like I saw one of his texts, he's like, let's sit down. I, I want to talk to you again about what we're building. And I had no idea he was thinking something big, like a partnership. But yeah, then we sat down middle of last year, it was June, early June, 2021. And, and he proposed like, Hey, like I felt so honored. He said, I, I want you as a partner in this company. And to see what you're doing and you can help grow this. I felt very honored. And I I knew in my heart, it's a yes, but I said, give me a couple of days to think about it, because it's no small commitment. No it small commitment. It takes my time every single week.
0: And you, you've you built an incredible brand. So you need to be really clear that we're yes. aligned across the board.
2: A hundred percent. So I sat with it for a couple of days and I don't like to think about these decisions. I just feel feel into basically is this heavy or is this light and and i just kept getting the yes so sent him a text and said let's do this and we i had no idea what i was getting into justin had no clue so we've it's been this discovering like oh what is this partnership and like cool here's how i've been like promoting zion and like cool let's change it up and now marketing teams involved in zion so like everything's just getting better so it's a it's been a beautiful evolution so far and such a freaking joy.
1: But anyway, that's my two cents on how the partnership came about. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the, the timeline is, is exact. Like, I got, I spoke at the Bitcoin conference in June and then I flew back and I said, Hey, JP, I'm back. The app's done. Um, we're getting ready to launch it, just figuring out some of these other pieces. Would you like to have coffee? Um, and we had coffee at Soho House and I presented him, and you know, I, I thought he would be the perfect person to 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 start the train for where we want to go in the world. And then that was like a really, I think, pivotal moment for the company because before that moment, I hadn't even even thought about bringing anyone else in. I had no thought about bringing any sort of investors into the project. We like talked like, about that. Like I was like, no, I'm going to self fund this whole thing. It's just going to be a cool project. And then I like. The the gravitas of having JP involved was like my primer to say, okay, this is no longer Justin's project. Like this is now that idea of a world-changing company. And and we have to now build a plan to build a world-changing business and bring the best people in the world to be our partners in that business. And that began the train of us like starting to tease out like, hey, we want, we might want to take some outside capital and start making the list of the people that we want in and then we, we don't want in. And I, and I, and as we started teasing, I started my, my do not list ended up being much longer than the do list of people that were like very interested in deploying capital. And we're like, no, 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 doesn't feel right. And that's what began the train of like, we spent basically a month kind of doing a little bit of a fundraise, get some money from really interesting people of where we wanted to go. And then now we're here about, I think it's a little over seven months later. And, you know, I just, Sam just like kind of looked over at me. We're sold out right now. And come we did on. it like, come Let's on, baby. Let's go. That's 2,500 nodes running on Zion. That's in, a, in like a, for, for perspective, how many <laughs> nodes are running on the
2: lightning this, network this, this, in the world?
1: This, this is the crazy thing. So there's, there's, there's the private network that no one actually knows. But if you go to 1ml.com, uh, there's a sheet that says there's the, the number of public nodes with public channels. And that's 19,000. 2,500 of those 19,000 are running inside design third, you know, 11 to 13% of the global network and global traffic runs through a company that we launched four months ago. That's crazy to me. Wow. Like that's, that like, like when you think about the, like how young the network also is of like, but just imagine the impact of where we'll have is like, I don't, and this is like stuff I just don't understand yet. Is like, I don't know how many companies in this short amount of time are able to create so much market share within a category. And I just see the potential acceleration of what we want to do in the, in, in, in the world that is lightning and like how lightning will, I think change the world and how we want to support the development within that ecosystem. And it, you know, it might sound small,
2: like there's 2,500 nodes running on, on Zion and it, that's 2,500 out of 19,000 total in the world. So each user on Zion has their own node. And for those of you like me who are like, what the hell is a node, JP? A node is basically your private server. That's why you're not all your data and transa- uh, uh, transactions aren't on Facebook's server uh, or like they are on Facebook's. No, it's you've got your own server. That's what allows you to be sovereign and uncensorable and decentralized. So because each user needs their own nodes, that means there's 2,500 nodes running on Zion. We, you have to have your own node or else like we're compromising our principles. So that might sound small. Like from the time I started this sentence till right now, Facebook's probably increased their users by 2,500, but that's the old world. This is a 2,500 of something is built in the new world. And that's 2,500 individuals that are able to function, in my opinion, in the way God intended. Free, sovereign, nobody's going to censor you, but you. You, You're joining creator communities of your own accord. You're consuming the information you want. And if something happens that you don't like, you use your God-given will to unjoin their community. And these people have the, the confidence that they're able to send messages to people, won't be read, won't be anything. Uh, so to me, it's just an absolute uh, joy and celebration. That number sounds small, 2,500. It's not where we're going to end up, but it's where we are. And personally, I'm so freaking proud of that. Like 2,500. Yes. Well, and, when, and, and, when
0: we before it, we started, what, what was the number at?
1: I think we had... But we had like 50 left. So in, in an hour we, we got 50 through. Um, and I think because like, I think people are saying like, oh my God, there's 50 left for the year and they don't know when they're going to put more on. Like, I got to get on this now. Um, and that's like our approach. But like to give you context, it's basically like having 2,500 separate Facebooks with 2,500 separate Facebook databases that are all talking to each other. Uh, this is like the thing that people have to like, like the abstractness of what this thing is, is that like Facebook has now millions of servers. Yes. But they have one database. They have one database with all the names. When you sign up, it's, you're a row in the database and they like assign content to the row that you're on their database. Right. Like the, the, the reason Facebook was like always interesting when they launched was like, Oh, you can now like build your own website. Basically, like your Facebook's your own website and you just go on their server and you build a website and then it's evolved to this whole thing. The complexities that we're dealing with is that like we have 2,500 separate Facebooks with 2,500 separate databases, each individually store the data for each individual customer. And then the data has to be shown in a custom way for every individual through a private socket, through a lightning channel in its own way. So that's why like, I I know some people have like all this feedback for like, like this is not working this, like the complexities of what we're trying to do is really live by these principles of having sovereignty of your data and be able to transact in an easy way. And I think that's the thing that I'm like, I always ask is like patience, right? The first thing, like when we did our, you know, our launch thing at Garen's house was like, you know, what is the thing that you want everyone to take away with from this conversation? I was just like patience. Like, please, please have some patience and grace for us as what we're trying to do in the world. And, you know, your contribution of like, you know, buying a node from us and renting a node from us every month is just giving us the energy to continue this mission of what we want to bring to the world because we believe the world needs it. We believe the world needs something like this and and creating value for the future. So that's kind of where kind of, yeah. And we haven't even got into some of the tech yet. I think I just kind of alluded.
0: We're about to, by the way, patience for you has got to be a motherfucker because I just <laughs> oh, know the dude, way you operate. And so shit. for you to really tap into that and ask that of others, mm-hmm. it it's like, it probably had to be challenging because it's not your
1: default. Oh, it's so fucking hard, man. I mean, like I, I because I, you know, sp- I have all these like spiritual things around patients. Like I think, um, because like I've, I've faced death very like closely and throughout my life, like through like a, you know, my brain injury and stuff. So, Like, I feel like, like time is the thing that's like so borrowed and I don't have a lot of it. So I just like want to push through as fast as I can. And it's not like I'm old, I'm 33, but like, what have I experienced in 33 years? Like just makes me want to like go faster and go faster and go faster and just like put the gas on the pedal as much as I can. But I also have to realize the constraints that I'm under and I have to continuously remember like, like we're at the stage of the internet when the internet first started. We're building like one of the first websites on the new internet, right? And like, if we believe that Bitcoin and the Lightning Network is the new internet, then I also have to realize like, we're just one of the first websites on the new internet, right? Like my, my general position is like Facebook was the social network for the internet. Zion is the social network for Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. And much more. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: you know, and, and, and so we're going to get into web three and nodes, but I just, before we do that, I do want to acknowledge like for you, someone who could have self-funded this thing. And, um, as an entrepreneur, right. Like what it, what it means for you to bring on, like what it would take for you to bring on a partner, to bring on someone like JP, like that, that also is no small feat. I can I I, I understand, <laughs> right? Yeah. Can you talk about maybe it, some of the tension
1: around that. Yeah. So th- this is actually an we we had this deb- we were talking not debate. We were talking about this in the car. So the the company I had sold uh, previously, I had owned a hundred percent of the equity when I sold it. So for me in my life, equity and ownership is very like sacred. It's like a very sacred thing, and I just like I like to know that like this is my thing. And like, that's me as an entrepreneur, that's the only way I understand how to operate. So when, you know, I went into my soul and said, Hey, like, I want to build this like world changing thing. I went and said, you know what? Like I'm, this one is not going to be the same as the last one. And I want to be very open with this concept of equity and, and and share it in the right precise way with the right people. And that's when I like, I opened up JP. I was like, Hey, I want to give you this much of the company. And we should go do this together as partners. I think that was the like inception point. I was like, I need to like open up, like, like, I don't know. There's like some terms, like just open up to, I don't know how to say it, but like to create more space, right? Like create more space to create something amazing because like, yeah, it's cool to like, you know, have a company sell for like this much, but like what if you had a smaller percentage of a multi-billion dollar organization? And that's kind of like where we are continuing to think about where this thing is going to go.
0: And the road as an entrepreneur, again, I I don't, need to tell you but how lonely is it when you are the soul like when you don't have that partnership i mean that's and a, a lot of people do it but it, it's it's got to be challenging
1: i mean it is it's um it's 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 the hardest thing and like you know for me personally also in my stage in my life like I'm you know i don't i don't like have a, a an intimate partner in my life right now so it's more like I really am. You listening my- out there, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, Nope. I mean, so it's like one of those things. Like in my soul, like it's it's a very like introspective process. Like building a business is a very introspective process. So it, it is challenging at times, and I and I and I also have to remember, like yes, we have like you know we have an amazing partnership together, but ultimately I still am the one that's driving the ship, like a hundred percent of the time, and yeah. and I also know that that's really the 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 only true way to run a business is like this like this concept of like a dictatorship unfortunately like you got to have this like benevolent yeah, yeah benevolent i mean it's using like maybe it's a bad way to say it but like that's how companies push forward like you need someone like to make the decisions and to like push this concept forward like like this idea of like a a a democracy in an organization i don't think will like ever work that's why i have like a little bit of opposition to like company started as DAOs because what are going to have like a bunch of managers? Like you have a bunch of people that are in charge. Yes. Yes. The principles are there and they're important, but the idea like everyone votes on how this thing would work. And it's like, it won't work for a company. It may work for protocols and things like that, but it doesn't work for a company.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I I even think about my experience in trading and you know, I, I had two other partners and Will was the main partner who owned uh, a majority of the company. And we all had a say, but at the end of the day, Will was making the final decision. And it was so important to have someone that's like, okay, this is like, we trust you. We didn't really have a choice because he owned the majority of the company, but we did. We trusted him. He would take our input, feedback, but someone has to be the one that is making all those decisions.
1: Of course. It, and th- that's why
2: the ship or, or the airplane has a captain, not captains i know there's a co-pilot but one's the captain and and obviously if it's a good-natured captain things work out really well you need that decisiveness that's like the strong masculine energy whereas like the feminine energy might be a little more well let's be open and consider new ideas you need that in the areas but at the end of the day you also need the here's a decision it's made i have the courage to make it I'm gonna, might be wrong by what i see best so it takes a very courageous person and that strong masculine energy from a man or a woman. It's just the nature of the energy. Um, whereas, like you just you know, the imagine a, nine pilots flying a plane. Like, all right, guys, like I'm thinking about putting the flap down. What do y'all? Yeah, time and place for that, but that's not the time or the place. Yeah.
1: And and that's the thing about I think organizational structure. And and this is something that I'm I'm dealing with kind of every day. Is like you have to fully trust the person running the ship. Like if there's any hesitation with people that are on the team that don't believe you and the CEO and your direction, that's just not going to be conducive for building the business, right? Like it's just not like if they don't implicitly trust your decision-making and how you're steering the ship, it's not going to work. And that's why like, when you think about organizational structure, it's like, you have to have that commitment to a CEO that you believe in, like you, or a founder that you believe in, you believe in what they want to do and how they want to do it. like, you know, JP like says, this like, is it a proven racehorse? Like he makes that analogy a lot. Like, is it a proven racehorse that can knows how to win? Because there's this, there's like, there's this feeling that you have, like, like you get it every day because you're such a successful creator and your videos just hit and they hit, but there's this, like, you know what it's like to do that. And so you just kind of repeat yourself and you repeat that process and you build that resilient process in what you're doing. And it's, it's hard to grasp what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also, I want, I think for the people listening out there, people who are entrepreneurs, who are building businesses, I want you to talk a little bit more about those people that you said yes to, or, you know, the importance of who you are bringing in, the energy you're bringing in and why, you know, certainly there are some businesses like they just need the money. But when you are in in your scenario where you're like, I can self fund this thing myself, but talk about the importance of choosing those partners.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, selecting investors and building a cap table, um, I think was really looking at uh, like a three year roadmap. Like, I wasn't looking at like this capital as like, what do I need this capital for today? Every single person that's on the cap table has a very strategic reason and when I'm going to pull the lever of using them for a specific task, right? So there's a, there's a series of investors that have like deep rooted experience in private equity, right? So they ran, they either were top tier at Vista um, here in Austin and really understood that private equity or they run a firm currently or they were in, and then that kind of translated into hedge funds and finance. So understanding like, well, if I'm going to be building like a a really strong round, do I finance background? The other thing was that I also wanted to have entrepreneurs on the cap table. So these are people that are like, self-made like you know, entrepreneurs that either run their own businesses. And why that's important to me is that if I want to raise capital from high net worth individuals, they usually hang out with each other a lot. So if you have one of them that has buy-in on an early round, in the subsequent rounds, he'll just say, hey, dude, my, I'll, I'll just tell all my friends and we'll give you a bunch of money to kind of do that. That's the other strategy. And then the other piece was, was influence an audience. Um, so that was a category that I wanted to bring in not only partners but investors that had a very large audience that eventually will be able to to capture that audience and move them over to the system so that was my general like cap table strategy that's why like we don't really have any traditional vcs in on the cap table there's a lot of them that we wanted to be involved early on but i said no we had one firm that we had in but it's really about the person it was a uh, he's uh, his name is Hank. He runs a cybersecurity fund. They don't really do anything in Bitcoin, but I believe that like our service eventually will be this like cybersecurity uh, solution for the internet. So I wanted that person in early that they have buy in so when we need to go and like build that solution they're there. Got it. It was very strategic. It wasn't just like, "Oh, cool, you're going to give me money." But but I think that's the that's the difference because I I came from a place of of power. Like most of these people that are raising money like They're trying to raise money because they got to pay their rent. Like and they're like, like, hey, like I really need this. Like, you know, I've put in so much capital into the business and I've never taken a penny out. And I still deploy my own capital when I go do certain things. And it's all because I have the ability to do that. And I so that's that's the that's the difference. A lot of people can't do that when they're starting businesses. And I understand that I have compassion for it. Yeah, perfectly said.
0: So let's talk about web three people have heard web three. Can you, can you 101 it for people? Like what the fuck is web three? And then I want to get into <laughs> nodes. I really want you to really dive deep into the importance of the node and JP feel free to, to help out. When, Cause I know Justin can be very technical sometimes. And you, so I'll,
2: I'll color commentate. <laughs> <on away. laughs> um,
1: so I, I think um, the first thing is I think Web3 is marketing bullshit. That's what I'm going to start with. I think this (laughs) is just the general term. I would
0: expect nothing but honesty (laughs) I I think
1: this is a term that like venture capital firms have put on this like new shiny thing to say, oh, this is the future of the internet. And it's how they're subsidizing all their like, basically like securities issues. So I, I don't, I don't personally, I just don't like the term. I'm also not a dictionary. I don't know how to define things. But I think it's just the next era of how technology will evolve into this new world. And so the way I define this concept of Web3 or whatever, whatever we want to call it is that um, they, you have read and write properties, and then you also have ownership properties, right? So the, the, the first version of the internet, um, it was focused really on just like read properties, right? So like you can, you can go onto Facebook and Instagram and, you could, and, and YouTube, and you have this concept of like reading right like you can read the content you can just read 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 now with this new evolution we have read and write which means that you can actually read content but also write and contribute to the code and then the next piece is ownership based upon a blockchain and so this is the evolution of where the internet is going is that you have read write ownership rights you can read write and own all these different things all in one system so i think the freedom that we have is we now finally have this like concept of digital property rights through private and public key pairs. This idea of encryption allows us to own things on the internet. So some examples of like, you can actually own a Bitcoin because you own the private seed phrases of that digital asset. That wallet that's on the blockchain is tied to your private key pair and you actually own that underlying asset. If you remember the potential 20 seed phrase in your brain forever, that's something that you own. The government doesn't own that and no one can take that away from you. I think that's the beginning of having this concept of digital property, rights.
0: I haven't so that, even thought about memorizing mine. I have it written down on a couple of different places, but fuck, I got to memorize it, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, well, are you, are you doing things to do a multi-sig? Okay, uh, 101, <laughs> please. <laughs> like, well, I mean, this is the also stuff about like security, right? So like I hold Bitcoin in a multi-signature address. And what that means is that in order to access the wallet, You need to have two out of three signers. Gotcha. So you have two keys that can unlock the door, not just one. You don't have one point of failure. You have two and one is actually held by another person. That's the way that I do it. So they, I have two, they have one, they can never access the funds, but if for whatever reason I lose one and I have the other one we can access. Mm -hmm. So it's two out of three. Some really secure companies do like 3 of 5. And that's when it gets like really complicated. I have like a multi-signature address to access this this asset in this way. And that's kind of like what I do with with my Bitcoin. Okay, got it.
0: So, back to, you know, web3 for a little bit. How does how does Zion fit into what people are calling web3? So, the
1: the way that I describe it is that Number 1 to interact inside of our network you're running a full bitcoin lightning node. What that means is that this is a virtual machine that has a piece of software installed called LND. d is this layer 2 of bitcoin. So this is the concept of people understand bitcoin as bitcoin the asset. That's the thing that you hold and it creates value and it goes up and down and all those pricing. But then there's bitcoin the network. Particularly the thing that's going to scale Bitcoin that's going to be able to do more transactions than Visa, that's the Bitcoin Lightning Network, where someone has a full node and then they have a channel and this channel can interact with anyone inside of the global network, right? So even if it's it's a permissionless global monetary network that has instant remittance and instant transfer. So in the new world, if you have sovereignty over your data and you're running a full node, you have sovereignty to move money to anyone without any potential censorship opportunities. And so I think the promise of this new kind of global monetary system is that like you have like basically no remittance charges. Like what are some of these like things like Western union or whatever, they charge like 20% for you to send money back to your families. And so that completely goes away. That's why we're seeing like countries like El Salvador it as legal tender. So I think these are all the opportunities that we're seeing in web three is like ownership. Okay. And for a creator, I think JP can allude to like, what does it mean for a creator in this world? Yeah. Yeah. And, and some perspective before I hit, uh, answer that
2: question right now on the, the big tech social medias, I've got, I think a little over 6 million fans uh, followers. I own none of that. I, I own none of those connections. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, own them all. Um, so an analogy, a borrow from Justin, I've built a mansion on someone else's land and that landowner can kick me off at any time. They can disconnect me from parts of my mansion I've built, shadow banning, all that fun stuff. So, but now on Zion, as I'm building my audience there, I'm building my mansion on my own land. I bought the land. The land is called my node. It's just my own private server, where my audience is stored. My connections to my audience is stored. So, as a creator, that's very meaningful because it means I'm literally building equity in my online empire, not building equity for someone else, and for them to share some of it or not at their own um, choosing. But here's what's very exciting to me about how zion functions in this realm so you know we've heard these terms bitcoin we know that term but the bitcoin technology and then the lightning network lnd and then zion's on top of that we have these nodes the hell's all that mean getting down to it here's what excites me most about it if you imagine a triangle There's three points of it. Cal say you're at one corner with your node. I'm at another corner with my node. And then at the top is Zion the company. Now, normally we're used to thinking like, oh, Cal, if I want to send you a message, it's got to go up the triangle to Facebook there at the top. And then it goes back down to you. That doesn't happen with Zion. So when I send you a message, it goes from my corner to your corner. Not back up to Zion or anybody else, from my node directly to your node, that's me connecting directly to my audience. It's them connecting directly to me. There's literally no one in between who can interfere with that who can the only person that can interfere is if the audience member says, "I don't want to follow JP anymore. Cool. You jump out of my community. Great, that's consent, awesome. But Zion at the top, they couldn't get between our interactions, even if they wanted to. Like, let's say Justin's
1: assassinated, and <laughs> thanks for, it, honor- it, thanks it, for it, honoring me. That's not murder; it's an yeah. assassination. Yeah. That means I'm <laughs> big deal. Does, does that mean Made I'm it. important? Yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you for <laughs>
2: sure. It's a sniper from you know eight hundred meters away.
1: It's a fucking shot. I
2: know. Uh, so, they, and, and
0: then in his will, he gifted his Zion uh, equity to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> so,
2: thank you. So Zuckerberg comes in and says, all right, I'm going to run Zion now. Uh, whatever. We've got to control and moderate content. Let's get into it. Zuckerberg would quickly find out he at the helm of Zion cannot moderate content. Why? Because again, back to the triangle, I'm here at one corner with my node. You, my audience are at the corner with your node uh, and and like, you know, thousands of nodes you imagine a vast triangle, each audience, but you at your corner, Zuckerberg can't touch that. That to me is what's most exciting. That's power to the people. I think that's our God-given state where I don't think humans are meant to outsource their power to anybody else. We get power from connections. That's beautiful. We're pack animals, but we're not meant to run around like passive little beta bitches asking people for permission, like dear, uh, dear central authority, may I send Cal this message? No, it's freedom of speech. That's, that's us functioning in a perpetual state like children we're meant to be that way when we're children, but as adults, we have our own free will. And here's a newsflash because, uh, we we've been taught to fear free speech the past couple of years. And And we're taught to fear free speech because, well, speech is dangerous. You know, speech is kind of the same thing as violence. And you don't know what kind of misinformation would be spread with free speech. So it's all this fear-mongering. But here's the news flash: Humans aren't inherently bad. Humans are inherently good. And we're meant to be treated as such until proven otherwise. And when proven otherwise, if someone does a bad thing, they hurt someone, That's why we have the court systems and jails and prisons and other kind of penalties. But right now, when we're in this permission-based old paradigm that we've put all our eggs into, we're asking people for permission and they are treating us through their community guidelines and all that stuff. They are treating us as though we are inherently bad. And they need to protect us from others, and others from us, and even protect us from our own selves. Now, if you're in that state, you either need to be in a, you know, a some kind of facility, uh, mental or prison. Like it, it, it's just, if you need that level of care and governance as an adult, you need an actual facility. Ninety-nine point nine percent of people are just good people not out, to, uh, out doing any harm. That's why you, know, you look at these beautiful trees. This is nature's way. It's God's way, if I may use that term. God doesn't grow fact checkers by the trees. God doesn't grow censorship uh, by the trees because I don't think we need them. So we've tried that on. We didn't know a better way. So we grew into the big tech paradigm and realized like, cool, there's many blessings from it for sure. And cool, we've learned about the inherent restrictions. We've learned some things not to do. So now we've learned how to do it. And Zion is a system where individuals connect to individuals directly, your node to theirs, or your node to the creator's node, or I'm looking at a creator, I'm reading someone's kind of cool. I'm connected to their node along with 12,000 other people in their audience. I think that's how we're meant to function. So in my opinion, getting a little airy-fairy, Zion is attempting to mirror the, the God given spiritual state of how humans are meant to function. And it's attempting to mirror that it, in the digital space. And and I think we need
1: that. And it's Mm -hmm. in some ways like digitizing the human experience. So like, you know, even on a technical level, and I'll talk a little bit about like, there's two things that I think are really important is, so how does a message get brokered inside of a community in Zion? So the way it actually works is that if you join a community, JP's community, what happens and you put a message in the chat, It actually goes through JP's node and then JP's node distributes it to everyone else that follows that channel. He is the messaging broker for his community and he is the admin of his own social network. And this is where I think there's like so many problems with centralized systems. And I would argue like one of the biggest issues on the internet is spam. I like to, It's like the biggest like cornerstone like, this is like one of the biggest issues. And because, and the reason spam exists in the, most of the internet is because there's no consequences, right? So we haven't, the internet doesn't have a level of financial accreditation or this idea of credit that is introduced onto this content layer. And I think what's interesting about Bitcoin and Lightning, because Lightning makes money liquid. It makes money fluid. It allows me to transfer basically micro pennies instantly between a channel of two individuals and allow that to go onto the internet very freely to anybody at any time. And because you can introduce this layer of credit into a digital content system, now you can basically eliminate spam globally through this decentralized monetary network and through this decentralized content network. And I'll give an example. I explained how the messages are brokered through JP as the admin of the community. What we built is like, I I know that once a community gets big enough, there's going to be spam issues. It happens on every centralized network, Telegram, Facebook. Like They have thousands of employees that are dealing with these issues of spam. So the question is, how can you insert a smart contract to build accreditation, a level of credit inside of that same environment. So for JP's community, when you start a community, there's three things you select. The price to join the community, the price to send a message in the community, and the amount to stake and the time you would like to stake. And staking and bonding are basically the same thing. So what happens is that if you make a comment inside of JP's community, he has a stake contract that basically says, because he's the broker of the message, when you send the message, you have to give JP an escrow. You have to bond a certain amount of Bitcoin to JP. If JP, as the admin of the community, remember, you're in JP's private social network. You're not in Zion. We don't have anything to do with this. We don't even see the messages. You're in JP's private house. If he deems the comment spam or doesn't want something that like, he doesn't want as a part of his community, he deletes that comment, you lose your bond. You lose your stake. There's consequences for being a bad actor in the new world. There are consequences inside of Zion. Wow. I love that. And right now there's no consequences on the internet. Like I think one of the things that boggles my mind that if you get someone's phone number or email address, or you like DM someone on these, these centralized platforms and you say really terrible things about them, their family and all these, there's no consequences to that. None at all. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything. And I like, I felt it's like the other week with like some crazy person on an account. I was like, well, if they built this staking protocol globally and they introduced the same technology that we're using inside of Zion, inside of these central apps, it will make it better. Like my general opinion, and this is the opinion of some of the greatest thinkers in Bitcoin, including Michael Saylor, is that Bitcoin makes everything better. Bitcoin makes the internet better. Lightning makes the internet better. And the focus always was like, if we're going to build a product how do we make it better? And Zine is inherently better. Maybe it doesn't have every single feature that Facebook does today, but those elements, those elements of credit and introducing credit on a digital layer of content makes the internet a better place. And that's our general focus of how we want to change the world. And like, like, really you have that statement out there,
0: dude. I fucking love that. When I, I'm curious, there, there was probably at some point in the the creation of this, like, oh, there needs to be a way to penalize someone for this. Like, when did you actually land on this, this process of,
1: so, so, because it's fucking brilliant. Well, credit, credit is where credit is due. This is not something that we invented, right? Mm -hmm. So this began many years ago. So if you, you know, someone invented this thing called hash cash, Back in the day, it's like a predecessor to Bitcoin. And Hashcash was actually a part of... Adam Back, he's the CEO of Blockstream, said, okay, in order to send an email to somebody, you have to have this concept of proof of work. And this is where proof of work of Bitcoin actually came about which was this idea of Hashcash. Like, you can't just spam people with thousands of emails. You have to prove that you're an actual individual. So you have to prove it through a hash rate. So they began these ideas a long time ago. And then Sphinx, which is a protocol that we forked code from to build Zion, they invented the staking protocol. They were the ones that first introduced it. And now we're expanding the possibilities of what that looks like to potentially even centralized services, right? So like imagine a world where that you can now have accreditation on every centralized network using your your Zion node. Your Zion node becomes this like concept of this like home server. This home server where houses all of your data, it houses your Bitcoin. It gives you your channel, your transactions. And I would argue that if you had something that you owned, that you had control over, which is this concept of your own node, your own server, I would want to give that thing more of my data, more of my information, because it's the thing that I have an intimacy towards. I can like engage with that home node. That home node should have all of my information because then it's going to build recommendations for me in a better way. Instead of this bifurcation of multiple recommendation engines across centralized services, why not the one that I trust the most, which is the one that's potentially sitting in my house? Or it's, it's cloud hosted somewhere, but I know that it's all encrypted with my data. It's my own server. And that's the concept of I, don't, I think what we're trying to introduce to people is that like, you're not getting a Zion node. You're getting a Lightning node with your own server with Zion software attached. But this node eventually is going to have many different softwares. It can do many different things. It gets, it's going to connect to your car. It's going to connect to your Tesla. It's going to, it's going to have this, like your wallet's going to be connected to it. all these different things will eventually connect to this concept of a node. And we all need one. I think that's where we're getting into the future of like having this concept of home nodes and home nodes being this like operating system for your digital world.
0: I want, I want more on the node here. Like what, like, really break it down uh how someone let's just let's talk about how someone comes onto the network right and yeah. and this and is just for for everyone listening by the time this episode releases the great unlearned will be on zion yes he's gonna uh help with that yeah and so how do how does someone what's the process look like
1: so so right now i think because we're so early in the Lightning Network. This was traditionally a very cumbersome process reserved for very like particular types of engineers and like homebrew computing types of people. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to build a technology that allows for a one click for you to run a full node with a channel with Bitcoin on it and instantly get onto the lightning network. And that's really the innovation I think that we have that's a little bit different from a lot of companies is that with basically a one click checkout. You now have a full node running with an existing channel that has a little bit of Bitcoin on it, but you can fill your channel with more Bitcoin and start running onto the Lightning Network instantly. So you just go to our website, getzion.com, put in your information, check out, and you're now running a full node inside of the Lightning Network. That's the process I think that, like, what we're trying to do to make it really easy to introduce people to this new decentralized world is that we have, I think we have the gusto to say, you're going to have to pay to be on this thing, but it's going to be, don't worry, trust us, this is going to be how the future works. And please go ahead, go ahead. I am just going
2: to say the, the nodes, the Lightning Network, the Bitcoin world, Bitcoin, the technology, not just the asset, that, that's been a separate world from us outsiders. And I say us outsiders, I'm not a Bitcoin, Bitcoiner in the sense of, I know the code and like, that's not my world. So there's been two worlds and, and what Zion is not only attempting to do, but we're doing it is to bridge the world because the outside world, we right now have a great need for what this technology can do. But previously it's been like, okay, run your own node. Now you got to be a techie. Like Justin's got his node at his house. Like he's a techie. He knows how to do this. That That's a very insider person that needs very specific knowledge. Very few people are going to be able to do that. But the bridge here is basically you sign up for Zion, put in it your information and you've got your node. It's hosted on the cloud. You could run your own node, you know, at your house if you wanted or You have that. But like for me, I... That would be a huge barrier to entry. I'm not going to do that. But now when you sign up for Zion, you could basically not know you're getting a node. That's how smooth the bridge is. Mm. Uh, and, and personally, I don't want the specialness of the technology and what the node does. I don't want that to get lost because y- you, you can function on Zion, not know that's happening, not know like, dude, this is a power to the people kind of thing my node to your nodes nobody's interfere nobody could interfere it's all encrypted you could have no clue that's happening but i i still think it's important that we educate people that that's happening so there's a we keep the reverence for th- this new thing that's being created we keep the reverence alive because we we want it to grow because more people in the world need it because there's a massive problem out there right now and this is a huge solution to the
1: problem of course censorship and the erosion of free speech and you'll see from us like what's going to happen over the next quarter is we're going to be releasing a few like really exciting things like one of the things i'm is that you know we offer this cloud hosting solution that's like a one-click checkout but if people want to be like this extreme sovereign individual um we're going to be offering hardware that we're sending to your house and you could basically plug in the hardware Zion software is already pre-installed pre on the server. You might need to do some connections, take a picture of the QR code on your phone and you'll be running off of the races. So like, it's not just in the cloud anymore, it's at your house. There's complexities with that. You have to make sure you have good uptime. You have to make sure you have channel backups. So you like, there's so many What's things-
0: up? What's uptime?
1: To make sure that the, that the node is up running like on the internet. So it has uptime, like in terms of upload time to, okay. the, to, the, to the web itself. And so those are things that we're introducing over the next quarter for you Allow to have this like sovereignty at your house. So you have your own home server and there's a, a bunch of amazing companies that are doing this already. And so I think we're going to offer all these different ways for you to have this self-sovereignty, but this is just the beginning of what this is going to be for the world. Because if you have um, your own node, right? And if you have your own relay, it's really interesting what you can start doing in terms of authorizations across the web, right? Because typically... Right now, when you auth on, on, a, on a website, you're using an email address. And right now, your Gmail, if you're running a Gmail account, it's basically tied to like everything you've ever done. Google knows everything about you. And also, the moment that you pay with a credit card, that company is now selling all your information to this other person that now has a bunch of ways to retarget you through Facebook. But I think what an interesting world is going to be, and we're developing these auths right now, is that you can authorize your... Zion account, you can authorize your Zion node. And then instead of actually authenticating through an email address, there's a there's a little button that pops up and says, okay, would you want to authorize on your Zion node? You just take a picture of the QR code, authorize, a payment modal pops up, you pay the invoice using Lightning. That website has zero information about who you are. It has zero information of your name. It has zero information of your email. It has zero information of your credit card because it was done through a through a private Bitcoin lightning transaction, and you get the service that you need without any information being passed back from these two individuals. That is the future promise of the web through private and and public key pairs.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm just thinking here. If I have uh, the physical node in my house and someone steals it can they access it or do they need some special so,
1: so one thing that we're doing is that we encrypt the private key on the device itself. And this is what most companies do is like they have public and private key encryption because we use hardware on the phone, the phone is the actual key. So they would also need to have the phone and the backup key. That's why we tell people like the moment you get onto Zion back up your, your, your private key, back up your, export your keys, put it somewhere safe and secure because those keys are the information that will unlock the node itself. Because again, the data on the node is encrypted. It is decrypted on the device. So the messages are being stored on the node in an encrypted way and then it's decrypted on the device itself through these encryption libraries that we built out on the hardware. So... Caller
2: commentary. If someone stole the note out of your home, they couldn't access the information unless they had your, your phone and your, you know, hundred digit long private key. Yep.
0: Okay. And so the, in the private key. Okay. So instead of like seed phrases, it's a uh, hundred digits that again, I would keep stored somewhere super secure. Yep.
1: Yep. And I think we're going to get better right now. It's really long because we encrypt so many things inside the Like it's easier to use seed phrases for certain things because like, oh, you're just storing Bitcoin transaction or like you're just doing a wallet address or you're doing a seed phrase to a wallet to a private key. This is a little more complex because you're encrypting data. You're encrypting photos, videos, the communities that you're a part of. Like all these things have to be encrypted within the key. And as time goes on, we'll be able to shorten and shorten and shorten and shorten that we just haven't been able to build the technology out good enough on the encryption.
0: Okay. So tell me again, someone goes to getzion.com, they sign up, they want to find JP's community. They want to find my community, the great unlearn. What does that experience like look like? How, yeah, do, how so, does that work? So
1: you'll go to getzion.com. You'll probably be you'll directed to shop.getzion.com. There'll be a checkout. I mean, we're sold out and we're sold out a lot because we just can't get enough nodes onto the network. The, the wait list I think now is around 24,000 people trying to get into this app from our mm. email list. So we're working on it as much as we can, but the shop is open. You basically put in at this point, you do put in some, some information because We don't have the ability to do subscriptions just yet. Like the stuff I was talking about is a future. So you can put in a credit card. Uh, You create an account. Once you create that account, a node will be assigned to you. You have a connection string. You'll take a picture of the connection string. And then you're inside the app for the first time. Back up your private keys. There's two ways to search for communities. We have a web interface, communities.getzion.com. We have a little bit of over 800 communities that are now on the network. So you can go search the name of somebody you want. And it's simply like, just take a picture of the QR code and you're inside the network depending on all the smart contract stuff that the creator decides. Uh, One thing that we did with podcasting, and I think this is a really cool thing about Lightning, is that podcasting was the first thing that I think was really innovated by Adam Curry and Podcasting 2.0. And we're an app on the Podcasting 2.0 kind of infrastructure where like, you can stream money to podcasters by listening to like listening by the minute. So like people are inside of JP's community, they'll see at the bottom bar of the chat is his podcast. And they could like listen to his podcast, you can send him sats directly to his wallet through that sats podcast. Sats are uh, fractions of Bitcoin. Yes, one hundred million satoshis is one Bitcoin. So it's the fractions of Bitcoin. Actually, most things in are are referred to in sats. Like you're buying sats when you buy Bitcoin, uh, technically. Um, and so then you can integrate a podcast. We do it through an RSS feed. So we think RSS is one of the most secure. That's why po- like Adam invented all this stuff, and we're just kind of piggybacking off of it. Is like RSS is like what everyone uses. So you're now t- like through their API, you tie your wallet address to your RSS feed and you just paste in your RSS feed in your community and now it pops up automatically inside the application. So people can now listen to the podcast, contribute to you, and then chat about what's happening in the podcast, comment about specific moments in the podcast all through that application. But there's like there's a lot of companies like doing this like very specifically. Like there's there's podcast apps. And all they do is just podcasting with podcasting too. So you can just listen to a podcast and send sats through that, that, that mechanism. You tie a wallet address or something like that. I think what we're trying to do is build like the social layer of Bitcoin. It's a whole other kind of deeper way of like people communicating. And I think the other piece about what we're doing is this interoperability. Is that, you know, what people have to reframe in their mind is that we're not building another walled garden. I think most people think like, oh, Zion, it's like another Facebook or it's like another Twitter or it's not. The answer is like, first of all, no, (laughs) it's nothing. And and, and the reason I say that is, is because these are closed source wall gardens. You are entering the Facebook ecosystem. We are an application being built on the greater lightning network. So first you have to have a lightning node. That is one of thousands of nodes in the lightning network. Then that node installs our, our software, one of the thousands of softwares that eventually will be on this lightning network. We're just one of the first layers on this new network. And then you're part of Zion. But Zion is part of the greater Bitcoin lightning network first. And then we're just like a subset of that network. We're not building another walled garden. That's why our code is open source. Like I don't. I always tell people like, well, how do like people on Twitter sometimes like, well, how do we know what Justin's saying is true? I was like, don't trust me, verify. Code is available. Like everything we do is open source. So like, don't believe me. I don't have to like, and I like, I have the confidence to say that because you don't have to believe me. You can verify it. That's the promise of the new world. That's the promise of this new internet is this like open source architecture that allows you to see everything happening. And I think that's the innovation of the blockchain is you also have like full transparency into transactions.
0: Buddy. Buddy. Tell me this. Desktop versus uh phone app. Like what's the different experience? What we, are you recommending? We we
1: don't have desktop yet. So we're just on oh, iOS. So when and you Android. sign up,
0: you're signing up on your phone.
1: You can. Oh, desktop for signing up. Um It's basically like a website, just a simple kind of put all your information on the website, or you could do it on your phone. I mean, we've integrated with Apple Pay. It's literally one click if you want to, if you have an iPhone.
0: Okay. And
1: then then that'll just build out your subscription. And then you'll get an email saying, Hey, this is your QR code to get into the app for the first time you get in and then you're off to the races. We don't have a desktop environment yet. So I think that's the thing that people have to understand is that the application that people are using is just like a browser window to your virtual machine your virtual machine is still somewhere else. It's in the cloud. And so like the app is more like a browser. It's like allowing you to view content within your node through these like WebSocket connections.
0: Okay. So I just and I really want to get clear on this. So I have a node I'm going to host a great unlearn on there in the community.
1: You're not actually hosting it there. That's the, that's okay. the clarity that you're still hosting where you're a traditional provider. All you're doing is pasting in your RSS feed and then we are showing that through. Okay, got and, it. And then, and then the wallet is actually transferring the value from all these different wallets to send to your node.
0: And uh, audio and video, like I have the podcast on YouTube.
1: Right. So you can upload um, Rumble and YouTube links inside the app. Um, we are, the biggest thing that we're trying to focus on is doing native video. And the idea, the idea to be able to watch a video and stream sats to watch a video. That's something that we're kind of working on a breakthrough to do that. And this is that concept of liquid money is like, You can watch a video and you can actually pay the creator as long as you're watching the video. Maybe it's like 100, 2000 sats a minute, whatever you want. I think that's the interesting thing that you can build inside of these new systems is that like not get paid through an advertising model, but get paid from your fans in these like very small micro content things at scale that's basically automated through the system.
2: I I want to share something about that. So for example, you Cal, as a creator, people listen to your podcast and a lot of those people want to support you. Hey, you just out of appreciation, they're like, dude, that episode, you got this guest and it really made a difference in my life. And people want to inherently exchange value when they receive value. And I'll give you a quick example. My, uh, uh, my wife and I and our son, we were on a flight not too long ago and we get off the plane. I go right into the airport restroom. When I come out, my wife's standing there holding a white envelope. Where'd that envelope come from, babe? What's that? She said, yeah. When you went into the restroom, this sweet old lady came walking off the plane, came right up to me and said, Mrs. Sears, please tell JP thank you for what he's doing, all the work he puts out. I see how he's standing up for freedom. It's making a difference. And I'm, I'm so touched by his efforts. I haven't known how to support him, but I've wanted to support him. So please give him this. I looked inside the white envelope Seventy dollars cash.
0: No way, sweet old lady,
2: amazing. But that's that. That's just a micro shot of how people feel towards creators. So, well, uh, uh, Zion, what we've built in is a tipping function. So, whether it's your podcast or say you're just you. You, you write a post or you post a meme, people see that, like, ah, oh that's cool. They can, with one click, tip you. However, they said 10 sats, 100 sats. I mean, sats again, kind of like Bitcoin pennies. Uh, but here's what excites me more now I can pay my fans. And it's, it's a way of rewarding them for posting valuable content in the community. So whether someone posts, you know a funny meme or like a meaningful resource or just like whatever they they bring good energy it feels better for me to pay them than it does for me to receive their tips and i can just you know click on their post and um they're they're tipped instantly so that's something very unique and and what that also helps do is it crowdsources value into the community because people are rewarded and therefore incentivized for posting valuable content because of the kind of like what Justin mentioned, what Zion is for him is something that will live beyond him. I think all of us who start a community, like at a instinctual level, we're starting it because we want something bigger than us to live beyond us. So I think a good functioning community, it's it's beyond just the leader. It's bigger than the leaders so the tipping function helps facilitate that where we can tip our
1: fans and of course they they tip us when they like what we post and i think that's the to me the innovation that lightning provides is that like everyone has the opportunity to move money fluidly between each other and that's the reason like it's the introduction of credit onto a digital content layer that's what makes this like really interesting is anyone can pay anyone and eventually like. I look at these communities as also like these micro economies, because remember you have JP He is a few hundred, I think going to be breaking a thousand very soon. People talking to each other, tipping each other, moving money between each other. Eventually what we're going to do is we're going to develop like a wallet just for the JP community. So people can fund that wallet for contributions that the community maybe wants to use. So it's like, Oh, we have, JP as the creator, and then the JP community wallet where you can fund things. And then there'll be projects voted on inside the community for things that the JP Sears community wants to do. So now you're developing this concept of a, you know, they like to call it in web three a DAO, but like, why are you going to discord? And then why are you going to your MetaMask wallet? And then why are you going to all these places? You you've bifurcated the whole point of these systems where discord. you can have a single, uh, you can have a single source. figured it out right? Like you can have a single source where the community is there, you know, it's verified by a private key pair, you know, exactly what funds that they moved into the community wallet. And then they can interact in that space, same chat feed and vote on things and decide on things. That's what we're really excited about is that like these micro economies start in the digital world. They start conversating in the digital world. They have values in the digital world. They have their own language. JP Sears' community has a different language than one of the other communities, homeopathy. um, There's a girl that does homeopathy medicine. They have a different language. Uh, Carnivore MD has a different language than JP's community. So now this technology allows for these different languages and these these concept of memes to be done inside of this environment and they can all pay each other for things. You know, I think the, the macro lens I always have is like the future wars, and this is what our investor Mark talks about a lot, like the future wars of the world will be fought with money and content. And in our world, the future wars will be fought with Bitcoin and memes. And we want to private the infrastructure that will provide a, some sort of a revolution for the future wars of the world. Mm, I love that.
0: And Mark's the guy that I'm going to drop in well, with. If a, yeah, like the if he's Fed, down, right? he, I
1: mean, he's really smart. Yeah, Mark. He's, he's insane. He just bought a ranch in Austin. So. Fucking A, everybody's doing it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep a- coming.
0: And for people who aren't familiar with the term DAO, what does DAO stand for? It's
1: a decentralized autonomous organization. And I don't want to like trigger a bunch of Bitcoin or maxis here <laughs> of like, because they word. get triggered. They get triggered a lot. What's a, a Bitcoin, Bitcoin
0: or maxi? I heard it in the
1: maxi. Part. Um, Bitcoin maxi is like an individual that- Basically, like Bitcoin is it. There's no other, like everything else is for the record. Shit.
0: Do you, you, you wore that hat for a little while? I, I feel still like. pretty much wear the hat. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I still pretty much, wear I'm the only hat.
0: buying Bitcoin, no other crypto. And I, I know you've been dipping your toe with some e- other stuff.
1: I will not disclose that I do any of those things on a public podcast. Edit this out, let No, you don't have to edit it out. I mean, <laughs> like everyone has tendencies, and so. <laughs> <does that mean? laughs>
0: Scratch that is you
1: go to scratch see it's just gambling that's what it is like let's, right. let's be honest with each other it's uh, basically a thousand percent. it's just gambling like all this stuff is like there isn't like you're so smart like no you're not we're not smart we're just gambling no. with some of this other DeFi stuff anyway um what was the question dow. dow oh yeah so decentralized autonomous organization so the idea is that like there's an organization structure where the community owners can actually like own and contribute to the rules of that organization and it's actually like a an actual like org. It's like, it could be registered as a, as a company. It could be registered as a corporation. It could be registered, but the, the, the people that are part of that community own and decide what happens within that micro community. I think the thing that's been missing is that money and ownership was missing. And I think with Bitcoin and lightning and the idea of a smart contract, you can finally have this concept of ownership in this new world. And I think, again, we're just at the precipice of these ideas because like, one of the things I think about all the time is like Zion is a Delaware C-Corp, right? Like, I don't, I don't really like think that that's like the best way that organizations need to be run in the future. I don't like, I don't think like, you know, if you're going to build a future forward company in the way that we're doing it, like, is that really the right way to do it? Unfortunately we have to for now, but I, I don't think that that's the way orgs will be run in the future. So it's something I constantly think about. It's like, you know, why are we doing it in this way? Why are we, and it's just more for functions of how banks pay us and stuff like that. But eventually, like my, my belief is like, eventually once the technology is at a place, like there's a concept to like completely eliminate banks, like completely, because imagine like the nodes are being paid for through Bitcoin. Um, you're able to, you know, because server costs are, are done in a decentralized way, you can pay for potential server costs through Bitcoin. You can pay everyone on the team through Bitcoin and not just pay them in the way that people are paid now, which is every two weeks, but you can pay them by the minute while they're working for your company because money is fluid within the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And you can set up a smart contract and say, hey, Sam, this is Sam's um, current salary. This is her salary in Bitcoin. This is how much she gets per minute. And that money is just instantly settled into her wallet as every minute that she's being part of this organization. Like That to me is like wow. where, where things are going. Uh, Because it doesn't have to be like transactional. It's about like how, like, I think digital money is also digital energy and digital energy can move freely. And as energy is moved throughout our society, like we normally do when we have conversations we interact with people. Now we want value to interact in the same way, just as fluid as energy does.
0: How are we doing on time? How many minutes do you have? uh,
1: I think we should uh, start beginning to wrap our story.
0: Okay. So how many minutes do we have?
1: Maybe it's two, two to five. Sam's like two to five. She's okay. got to get me to the airport. airport guy. We got to get to the airport.
0: <laughs> so that's I want to understand, uh, again, someone signs up, there's a waiting list of 25,000. Does that mean they have to wait or? Well, that
1: that's basically effectively an email list that will notify you as soon as we have another node drop. So now we're sold out and we're probably going to have another node drop in the next week or two. And then there'll be another series of nodes. And that's just how we're dropping. It's like, we're we're trying to, because... We have to pre-provision a lot of these things. It's not just as easy as saying, oh, here, just go sign up on a database. So if you sign up for the email list, that's going to be the best way to know. You'll be the first one to be notified yeah. about what's happening.
0: But so they, you, they can't like sign up and now they can come uh, join JP's network. They have to wait for the yeah. node.
2: Yeah, well, you need to have a node. Okay, that's got that's it. the truth. And like, you, you don't necessarily have to wait like 25,000 people have to get theirs before me when there's a node drop. So like 500 nodes are released. It's, it's whoever acts the fastest. So you, you get oh. an email,
1: node drop, nodes surf. are available. Got so it. It, it pays to just move fast. Anyway, so you, it, it's, it's, it's like, look, we're, we're selling digital real estate and there's a finite amount of digital real estate available. If you want to have digital real estate in the new world, you want to own these nodes as fast as you can. And just have them, and know that this is going to be the new infrastructure for the new world. And if you have access and own these nodes, and have you're you're getting it from us, like you're just like the first owner in this new digital world. Like imagine, like the way I like to compare it is like imagine you're crossing America for the first time, and you see California, and you have all this potential land to be able to acquire in California. Like we're doing that with Bitcoin, and one of these nodes come with pre-provisioned channel that have a you know fifty thousand sat channel capacity. There's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever created. You have a pipe in this new world that's finite to that specific note.
0: Is there anything you want to close with that we maybe didn't cover that would be important for people to understand?
2: You know, the last thing I'd share is um, I, I, I personally, I don't care about technology. I care about what technology empowers us to do and and i think tech right now we're in a place where we're riddled with technology and you know you watch the social network the documentary or the social dilemma uh, and you learn like all right technology objectively is working against us in ways but other technologies are inherently working for us how do you differentiate i believe technologies that work for us take us towards our God-given state and simply enhance our natural tendencies, enhance our ability to connect, communicate. Like I get to communicate with six million people around the world because of enhanced technology. But then you look at our what what technologies work against us, I think they're technologies that don't enhance our God given state, but they interfere with it. Where you watch the social dilemma and realize we're living with the illusion of connection, but we've never been more disconnected. That's because some of these technologies are now interfering with our ability to human, you know, our happiness, our kindness, our health, our connection to our family, our connection to our friends, and our contribution to the community and world around us. Is the technology enhancing that? Or getting in the way and i would just ask people to ask themselves that question before you pick up the vr headset or join zion or sign up for whatever or get the new device just ask is this going to enhance or impair my natural god-given human miraculous gifts
1: well said that was beautiful I don't know. I don't know how I can top that. Well, you don't need to top it. Is there, I, I, is there I,
0: anything? And listen, you were spot on. Like, this is a four to five hour podcast. Yeah, this, so. this,
1: this, I, I was going to say, like, the two of us could do this. Like, this is not enough time. Like, yeah. like, like, it's a, it's a, it's, it was, it's a long one because we're barely getting into it.
0: Yeah. So we'll if circle I'm, back for
1: round two. Like, we, we should do, a we, we should do a round two. And I think, um, you know, our biggest thing with Zion is like, we, we have a, we have a dedication, we have a promise, we have a, we have a pledge. I think what eventually will make us different, and I, and I see this compared to everyone else in our category, is like our business model is not predicated on manipulating your attention. Our business model is to give you digital sovereignty. And I think that's a fundamental difference in us and any other of the companies in the space. And so if you give us a chance, uh, we know we want to build this new world. And if you can help us build it, we know we can change the world together. Beautiful. Then, that, that, that topped it. <laughs> that's that's it's right. They're, they're,
0: they're, they're on the podium together. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm so grateful for you guys to be here today. This was awesome. I knew Thank it was going to be a banger, but Thank like, ugh, I love you guys. Love I you love too, the man. work you guys are love doing. It's fucking so important. It's like, there's a lot of talk. You know, We I bring people on who are doing you know, like, like Mickey's doing all the pandemic work and people are doing work in, in, in other ways, but this, I feel there's such an Importance to what this opens up that sovereignty, like in a real individual way. So, thank you, thank you, thank you,
1: thank you, Cal. Love you very much, brother. Thank you for having us. You. You've been listening to
0: The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to TheGreatUnlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, in the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.
2: No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.